be seated. Turn your attention to uh, the next point in your bulletin. The next liturgical thing we will do together is acknowledge our children's presence among us, uh, bless them uh, among us. So remember, kids, all right, I'm seeing Eli and Sophie. Um, Henry, if you got it in you, bud. <laughs> hey there. Uh, So we're going to say the Lord be with you as you worship, continue to worship, and you will respond back and also with you. All right. Children of God, the Lord be with you as you worship. Good job. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you, guys. There's like a buffer zone again. need to scoot up here. If you want to move up, you can move up. Um, Let's pray together as we continue to worship. God, we present ourselves to you. We continue to offer ourselves to you um, as our act of worship tonight because we want to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. We want to be filled with the fullness of God. And we recognize that this is not a work that we can do just by trying harder, just by being better Christians. But this is what you are doing in us as we encounter you and as we offer ourselves to you and and submit before your word. And so that is what we do. We submit ourselves to you. So have your way with us. Come Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, we find Paul praying. Find Paul praying. It's an interesting feature of uh, part of what Paul did uh, in his letter writing to these communities. Um, In his his 13 letters in the New Testament, um, several of them, we find him praying. Find him praying for the community. Um, As we listen to him, as, as he prays for them... For this community, this this actual place, this actual group in in Ephesus in the first century, as we hear him praying for them, we remember also that he's praying for us. He's praying for us. And so the vision that he's casting, um, the imaginative work that he's uh, trying to accomplish in this community there in Ephesus in the first century Um, We're also invited. We are incorporated into that same work. And so we listen tonight uh, with those ears. As if the prayer that Paul uh, prays, that he bows his knees before the Father, that he's praying that for us. And tonight we receive, as we hear that prayer, as we receive that prayer, as we digest and chew on that prayer, we receive the good news that in a world in search of the true self, in a world in search of the true self and of belonging, God has included us in Christ's body. In a world in search of our true selves, in search of belonging, God has included us into Christ's body. He has grounded us in Christ's love. God has included us in Christ's body and grounded us in Christ's love. Christ is our reference point. 
Christ is our reference point for understanding who we are and understanding how to get along in this world. And we uh, embrace the fact that now, because of that good news, we are freed from the need in this world to seek self-expression as a way of finding ourselves. We are freed from a need to seek self-expression as a way to find ourselves, and instead we embrace the task as Christ's body, the task of learning to live within the love of Christ. God has included us in Christ's body. He has grounded us in Christ's love, and we embrace the good news that now we are freed to live into the task, our, our main task of learning to live into and within Christ's love. There was a, um, a film that came out uh, several months ago, maybe a year ago, maybe over a year ago, a film called Lady Bird. Has anyone seen this, this movie, Lady Bird? Some of you? Um, well, I hope not to, to spoil much of the plot or to um, say so little that, for those of you who haven't seen it, don't understand what I'm talking about. Um, but Lady Bird uh, is a film uh, that, that um, centers on this woman, uh, this girl who's coming of age. She's 17, and she's coming of age. And it's one of those coming-of-age films where um, this 17-year-old girl is wrestling with her identity, is wrestling with what it means to be herself, to live in the world, to find her sense of of self and place in the world. And bigger than that, Lady Bird is a film that captures, at least in my opinion, the modern quest for the true self. That captures this image of, of the modern quest to find the true self. This modern uh, promise, that uninhibited self-expression, uninhibited self-expression will bring us our truest sense of self and our truest sense of belonging. If we could just move away everything that prohibits us from, from living into everything that's in us, from expressing our true selves, if we can just move those things out of the way, then we will finally find our true self and our true sense of belonging. That, uh, that journey is captured um, in this film. And the title, Lady Bird, is actually uh, the name of this woman. Um, she has a different given name, but uh, chooses to be referred to as Lady Bird. She, uh, she wants people to call her that. She has to continue to remind her parents, to, it's Lady Bird, it's Lady Bird. This is part of her journey of self-understanding, of trying to realize herself and find belonging. And the thing about this film is it not only puts its finger on this modern journey to find the true self in self-expression, but I think what it also puts its finger on is how that journey, that modern journey of finding your true self through self-expression is kind of starting to unravel. That it's starting to fray at the edges. And it's actually not living up to the promise. And so we see uh, that uh, Lady Bird, this woman, this girl, this character, is from Sacramento. She has born and raised in Sacramento, been there her whole life, but she does not identify with Sacramento. She seeks an identity apart from Sacramento. She seeks an identity apart from her family who, to her, are mostly annoying and who just don't get her. She uh, attends a Catholic girls' school, 
And uh, the irony is that she attends this Catholic girls' school, but she identifies neither with the kind of yuppie um, other students, uh, wealthy upper-class students who attend there. She doesn't identify with them, and she also doesn't identify with Catholic spirituality. So here she is trying to figure out her identity in this Catholic girls' school. She just doesn't belong in that. She's, she's wrestling to understand herself in this place where she feels like she cannot identify. She... She uh, experiments with different things. She joins um, the, uh, this acting club, and she's a part of a play one semester, but just isn't, doesn't want to be a part of it the next semester. She's seeking to find herself and how she fits in the world. In fact, uh, she's a senior, and she's applying to college, and she's not applying to any colleges on the West Coast. She only applies to colleges on the East Coast, um, wanting to get into this college in New York. And so the, the film traces kind of the, the angst um, that many of us can identify with because we were all teenagers at one point and went through this kind of adolescent, self-searching, who, who am I kind of phase. But there's this interesting scene at the very end when she, she finally gets to New York. She's finally um, entered into, um, at least at that point, her truest, fullest sense of, of self-expression and self-identity. She's finally able to do whatever she wants and to live from whatever is in her. And she uh, goes to a party and just parties really, really hard, does whatever she wants, uh, uninhibited. Uh, and she lands in the hospital because she drinks. And you, there's this scene where you just see her uh, broken, disappointed in the hospital, longing for home, longing for a connection with her mother. Uh, part of the bit of the movie is that there's this bad relationship with her mother. She's longing for home. And she uh, wanders as, after she's released from the hospital, um, introspective, a little bit confused, and wanders into a church still confused about who she is. We live in a world on a quest for the true self, but also a world of increasing uh, disassociation with traditional institutions. I mean, the church is one of those. We live in a world where increasingly people are disassociating from those traditional establishments where uh, people found identity and purpose and belonging. I was talking to a professor of a university a few days ago, and he was describing to me how increasingly he's finding that students don't want to take um, the regular paths into, like, I want to become a businessman or a nurse, or it's not clear anymore. There's more uh, a sense of, of, of uh, ambiguity and just not sure where they're going and kind of a patchwork of, of self-expression into a career. Um, there's this increasing disassociation, but still a longing. People who are desperate to know who they are, to discover their true self, and to belong. Have you, have you ever lost your sense of self? You ever lost your sense of self? Have you ever lost um, something in your life that used to be a huge reference point for understanding who you were, for understanding who you belong to, or to what group you belong to? Have you ever found yourself in that sense of, of loss, of that reference point, asking, what am I supposed to do now? How am I supposed to understand myself? 
I know that for, uh, for some of us who are in here and for many who are a part of our church, that loss of reference point has been the church itself. That church just, it wasn't, at one point, ceased to become what it was for you anymore. Maybe you experienced the loss even in your faith, your spirituality, your church. Have you experienced that sense of loss? All of us need a reference point. We all need a reference point for understanding ourselves. We need some kind of grounding for understanding who we are and how to live. So as you think about it tonight, just wherever you are, like, where do you find yourself longing to understand your identity? Where do you find yourself reaching, searching for your true self or for belonging? Maybe it's in a career. Maybe it's in a relationship. Maybe it's in an academic pursuit or some other um, hobby. Where tonight, as you come in here, are you searching, reaching for that sense of, of self, of your true self? Friends, tonight we embrace the good news that in a world in search of this true self, God has included us in Christ's body, has grounded us in Christ's love. And we are freed from the pursuit of self-expression as a means of finding our true self. And we are freed for living as Christ's body within the love of Christ. This is our new reference point. And so again, in Ephesians 3, we find Paul praying And what we find Paul praying for is spiritual fortitude. That's my best translation of Paul's uh, verbiage there. Fortitude. Paul is praying that this community would have spiritual fortitude, wherewithal, gumption. I don't know. Maybe you have a better word to fill in there. Fortitude, gumption, wherewithal. He's praying for spiritual fortitude that this community would have the capacity to more fully grasp and to live into their identity. That's what he's praying for. In this prayer, what Paul does is he's providing a reference point for this community, a reference point for them to understand who they are and what it means to live in light of who, we, of who they are. And get this, get what Paul's reference point is. Of all the things, of all the things that Paul wants this community to have the capacity to see, to know, to comprehend, to live in, of all the things, he wants them to be able to grasp the love of Christ. I know that that's like, yeah, that's the church answer, right? That Jesus loves me, yes, I know, right? But just think for a minute about that. That Paul's, the one thing that Paul is praying, that they would have the fortitude as they're living into their identity in the crazy world that they live in, the one thing that he desires that they would be filled increasingly with, that they would understand and acknowledge and embrace and to live within is Christ's love. That's the reference point. That's the main thing. Like of all the stuff that that gets batted around in our lives and in church, it's Christ's love. Love that Paul is praying that they would have the capacity to, to embrace and to live within Christ's love. The most relevant thing that we can know, not just in our heads, but like, like really know in our deep, the most relevant thing that we can know as a church is what it means to live within Christ's love. 
Like if we're looking for a measurement, like if we really want a metric for measuring whether or not we are on the right track, either personally or as a community, this is the metric. This is it. What is our capacity for understanding, for living within Christ's love? It's like this. It's like um, as if uh, Ruthie has come home one day and uh, we found out that Ruthie has been included uh, in a new dance company. You see Ruthie dancing around. Maybe one day this will be true. She's included in a new dance company. And she's about to uh, walk out the door and head and go into and live into uh, this community of people, this group, this dance company. And so as she's going out the door, I'm kneeling there with her at the door and I'm saying, uh, Ruthie, I have one last thing for you. Ruthie, I pray, I pray, Ruthie, that because you have been included in this group, because you're a part of this, this new dance company, that you would have the fortitude to dance within the rich melody of joy that hums inside your deep. And that, that living out of this melody in your deep, that you would experience the purest form of dance. That more than anything, Ruthie, this is the core. This is the center. This is the heart of what it means for you to be included in this group, that you would have the fortitude to grasp that melody in your deep. This is your reference point, Ruthie. This is the kind of thing that Paul is praying for. And so we pick up in verse 14, and it says, Paul says, for this reason, which means that there's a reason that he's praying that they would have the capacity to grasp the love of Christ, and that reason is earlier in chapter 2. And this is the reason. The reason is this, is that through the cross, through the cross, Paul says that Christ put to death the dividing wall of hostility and enmity in Jesus' flesh. He put to death that dividing wall in his flesh, thus creating, Paul says, one new humanity in his body. One new humanity in his body. Paul says that you used to be strangers. You used to be people who were disassociated, who were without hope in God in the world, who didn't know who you were, who didn't know where you belong, who were just at the whims of whatever the world's uh, sense of belonging and identity was. You used to be that, but now you have been brought near in Christ's body to be included in Christ's body as this new social body. A temple for God's presence. This is what Christ has done through the cross. As he's created in his body, a new body, us, a new social body, a temple for God's presence. So note here, among other things, because this is going to become important when we're talking about what Christ's love looks like, is that the church is not invisible. You're looking at it. Right? The church is not invisible. The church has to do, because, the church, because we exist in Jesus' body, we partake of his body. The church, this stuff, this thing that we're doing has to do with bodies. It has to do with place. It has to do with real time. It has to do with babies crawling on the floor and people on vacation and the stuff that we're walking through, the junk in our life, the, the sicknesses and the joys and the hopes and the fears and the dreams and the tea that we share together and the tears that we cry and the, and the meals that we're... All the stuff. It has to do with all of that stuff. That's not outside the realm 
of where God's salvation is getting real in us and where this idea of living within Jesus' love starts to get real. And so it's for that reason, Paul says, for the reason that we have been made this social body in Christ's body, for that reason, because of that new reality, Paul prays that through the Spirit, this community, that our community would be fortified with strength into the inner man. Okay, so I'm playing with the translation there a little bit. The, the, ESV, the, the translation that's on your printout says that you would be strengthened in your inner being. But I think that's not the best translation. I think the, the, the better translation is it says that you would be strengthened into the inner man. Paul isn't talking about that we would, just that we would be strengthened in, in kind of our soul, in this personal, individual like my personal life, my, my personal soul kind of thing. What Paul is articulating is that Jesus is our reference point. That Jesus is the one into whom we are being fortified. It's not that this doesn't apply to our inner selves, our inner lives, our souls, but that Jesus is the one. If, if we want to find ourselves, if we want to find our sense of identity, our reference point is Jesus. This is our reference point. So catch what Paul is doing. He's saying that, that, he's praying that we would have the fortitude to increasingly wake up to the reality that we are in Christ's body, that we would increasingly wake up to the reality to find Jesus, to find Christ amidst this drift and the confusion that we find ourselves in. Like, if, if tonight you are finding yourselves at the, at the intersection, at this junction of, of who am I? How do I understand myself? To, to whom do I belong? How do, how do, I, how do I fit? That, that angst, that, that tension that you feel, that right there, that in the midst of that drift, that confusion, that we would find Jesus, and that we would see that our increasing disassociation from all other things is actually good news. That if you find yourself on the point, like I have several points in my life where the reference point that I made sense of my identity with, that I lose that reference point, that if it's anything else besides Jesus, whether it's your job, whether it's your family, whether it's a relationship, whether it's an academic pursuit, like it was for me, like whatever it is, that the loss of that thing as your reference point, when it stops working for you, that's a good thing. That's where the Spirit's at work in our lives. Drawing us, wooing us into Christ's body, into Christ's love, the fullness of God. The unraveling that we're experiencing is actually the Spirit's work so that we can find our true selves in Christ. Can I get an amen just for my own sake? And Paul is praying this, that we would experience the Spirit's wooing of us into the love of Christ so that we can have the capacity to increasingly live in, within the love of God, the, the fullness of God. And so the picture that, that Paul paints there is that it's this picture of, of wading, of like an ocean, and you're just wading deeper into the waters. You're wading deeper into Christ's love. Paul says, oh, the, the height and the depth, the length, the breadth of this. 
There's a, we're wading into the fullness of God, the love of Christ. And so this, there's, for Paul, there's this, there's this relationship between us as the church, as Christ's body, and what it means to live within the love of Christ. And it's a relationship where, where these things go together, that our, our, for us to live in to our identity as Christ's body, what that looks like is just walking and living within Christ's love. That's what it means to exist as Jesus' social body, as the church. To live within Christ's love. Living in love is how we do this thing. Maybe that's the simplest way I can say it. This thing that we're doing right now, living within Christ's love, is how we do this thing. And so two, two quick things about what that relationship means. One is it means that there's not something different going on among us than what we see in Jesus. Jesus is always our reference point. He's always true north for us. I know that seems like an obvious thing to say. I don't. But that, that's the reality, is that there's not, what is going on with us, between us, is always what Jesus looks like, what we find in him, in his self-giving love on the cross. And the second thing is that what we're doing, this living within uh, Christ's love, is always embodied. It's always visible. It's always a fleshy thing. It isn't just about feelings that we feel or thoughts that we have. This isn't just something that we know in our knower, right? Paul says that, that I want you to know about the love of Christ that, what? Surpasses knowledge. And so the kind of knowledge that surpasses knowledge is the kind of knowledge that is in our bodies, that's visible, that takes shape among us. And so here, the point is that we can get all the right ideas, and that's important. Ideas are important. The right doctrine, all that stuff is really important. But what Jesus is interested in, and what I am saying to you as your pastor, is that more important than just getting all the right ideas is that the shape of our life together takes on the shape of Jesus' life. That the thing that characterizes our life together more than anything is that we are living within the love of Christ. So how do we live into this? Like we, so let's live it, like living into this is always, it's always a concrete thing. So let's keep it as concrete as possible with this question. Where are you today? Again, I'm going to ask that question. Where are you looking for belonging? Where are you reaching for a sense of identity, for your true self? Where is that? Bring that to mind if you can. Because what you're bringing to mind there, that is the concrete space where we will begin to learn to see ourselves in that concrete space, whether it's a relationship or a job or a family or whatever, like in that concrete space is where we will begin to see ourselves as grounded in Christ's love and where we will begin to extend Christ's love to others. And so what it means is that we can go into all these zones, our jobs, our families, our relationships, we can go into those zones without that anxiety about the need to find our, our sense of self through self-expression. The pressure's off there. You don't have all the bull that comes with that of a bunch of people 
trying to express themselves and find their sense of identity. Like, you just don't have to be a part of that. Like, we can go into those zones without the need to do that. We can go into those zones included in Christ's body, grounded in Christ's love. The most important capacity that we bring into those zones is our spiritual fortitude to live within Christ's love. This is what I'm aiming for as a pastor, even. Is that the most relevant capacity that I can bring to all of this is the capacity, the spiritual fortitude, for me to live within Christ's love. If I'm not living within Christ's love, it doesn't matter how good this sermon is. It doesn't matter uh, how well I help balance the budget. It doesn't matter, you know, how whatever. What matters is my capacity, my spiritual fortitude to live within Christ's love and to exhort you to live within Christ's love. Again, this is not primarily about feeling something, even though feelings may, of various types may accompany this. This is about aligning with reality, aligning with the reality that we, all of us, if we are in Christ, we have been included in Christ's body, grounded in his love. And so what we're doing is we're learning to make that intentional effort to grow into the image of Jesus, that deliberate choice. Living within Christ's love requires effort. It doesn't happen automatically. But as Dallas Willard famously said, uh, effort is not opposed to grace. Grace is opposed to earning, but it's not opposed to effort. Effort is not opposed to grace. And so what we're doing in those places where we're searching for belonging or for identity is we want to make the choice to live within Christ's love. And there's a phrase, um, just to drop another name, I usually don't drop names, but I'm dropping another name, that Eugene Peterson says, when he's describing what this reality looks like, and he describes it as voluntary defense, defenselessness. Voluntary defenselessness that's illustrated in the act of prayer. It's in, illustrated in the kneeling that Paul is doing, the bowing his knees before the Father. This voluntary, you can't, like the, the position of being on your knees, bowed down in prayer, is a position of defenseless, defenselessness. It's a position of non control. It's a commitment, it's a deliberate act. But it's not one that seeks to take control and have power over the situation or over what's going on. It's just openness. None of this is out of our reach. It's, 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 God doesn't put it so far from us that we can't participate in it today. So I invite you to participate in it today. Do you long for spiritual fortitude? I long for spiritual fortitude. Let's continue to worship, um, to offer ourselves to God, asking God for spiritual fortitude. Paul, at the end of this passage, says that all this stuff that's going on, if it sounds outrageous, if it sounds crazy, if it sounds more than what you can accomplish or what you can imagine, then that's the stuff that God's doing. This is all more than we can, uh, than we can accomplish or we can imagine on our own. So um, in our prayer time, um, I'm... Amen.